0: Hello and welcome again to Not Just a Rainbow Podcast. Today Catherine is as usual with you and we are going deep into the next uncovered topic. I hope you enjoy my project and please, share my podcast with your friends. It will help me to discover new topics about LGBTQ society. Okay. Let's start. For decades, there's been a flurry of speculation about what transpired on that night in June 1969 when Stonewall was raided. Some, convinced that they had the facts, caused a huge gap to emerge where people could invent, fantasize, or twist the story of Stonewall and our past to suit their own purposes. There is no end to the number of myths that have been created around Stonewall, but they are easily debunked when you take a look at the factual evidence and apply common sense. Judy Garland's death and funeral did not cause Stonewall. The notion that Judy Garland's passing was the driving force behind Stonewall is particularly disparaging to those of us who were actually present. It is reductive and harmful, and with the facts presented in this article, we can lay this fallacious story to rest. It was a conservative, heterosexual columnist at the Village Voice, Howard Smith, who had the concept for the raid. What's interesting is that Smith and the police captain who carried out the raid were close friends. My peers and I in our late teens and early 20s went not groovin' to Judy Garland when we were in the Stonewall. We were jammin' to Diana Ross, The Beatles, and Barbara Streisand. My favorite moment was when the crowd was moving to the Fifth Dimensions, Let the Sun Shine In, from the musical, Hair. Judy Garland was not our jam, we wanted to party when we were in Stonewall, and that's not something you do to her music. The ultimate evidence debunking the Judy Garland myth is the coverage of the funeral at Campbell's Funeral Home. If you take a closer look at the photos and stories in the New York Times and other newspapers, you'll see that the majority of the people in the images and the quotes come from housewives. If you look even deeper, you'll find that the few men in the shots are donning suits and ties. This is far from the courageous individuals who fought at Stonewall, the men in these pictures were likely running from the police to avoid losing their jobs or being judged by their families. These weren't the people who stood up and resisted. It's time to finally put the Judy Garland myth to rest. It makes it seem like the Stonewall Riot was nothing more than a frivolous event, when in reality, we were standing up against the hate and prejudice of law enforcement. We didn't draw courage from an artist who's no longer with us, let's put that misconception to bed. Nobody knows exactly how many people were at Stonewall. I was recently on the set of a BBC television show, filming in front of the Stonewall. As a tour group passed, their guide mentioned, there were 105 people in the bar that night. While it's impossible to know the exact count, it's safe to say that the number of patrons likely fluctuated, some paying a cover charge, some regulars admitted for free. Still, that figure gives us a general idea of the size of the crowd inside. Police gave people permission to leave the house, and those with any power or social standing left as fast as they could. The remaining folks, street children, drag queens, who were soon known as transgender individuals, people of color, and the young members of the growing radical gay community, all congregated in a half-circle around the entrance. Hundreds of people strolled the streets, while others peered from afar, and the night seemed to stretch on forever. All who were within a couple of blocks of Christopher Street could say they were at Stonewall that evening. But, the truth of the matter is that unless you were actively involved, you can't be sure how many people were present. There's no way to have an accurate headcount in the midst of a commotion like that. The individuals who hurled stones or cans of soda, or inscribed, Tomorrow Night Stonewall, on the streets and walls just like I did, went on to become part of the Gay Liberation Front, GLF. A few GLF members were present during the initial evening. On the second night, other GLF members stood at the entrance of Stonewall and spoke out. And in the coming nights, even more GLF members began distributing pamphlets. As the night at the Stonewall Inn came to an end, those with family in the area or a steady job ran for the subway or a cab. Those left were drag queens, men and women of all types, street kids and young activists like Marty Robinson. The riot that night was the spark that set off the fire of the Gay Liberation Front, and since then, Stonewall and GLF have become inextricably linked. When asked who was at the Stonewall in that night, my answer is, who was there the night after, and the night after that? Who worked to make change in the following year? The evidence is there, this is not a myth, but a fact. Stonewall lasted several days, and then an entire year. The Stonewall movement was a revolutionary period of gay liberation that lasted for a full year, beginning in June 1969 and culminating with the first Pride event a year later. During this time, LGBTQ individuals across the country courageously stepped out of the closet and into the streets, boldly challenging police authority and daring them to stop us. We organized legal and medical alerts, held political and social meetings, and created a diverse and inclusive community. It was an incredible 365 days of transformation that would have a lasting impact on history. There was no brick. The widely believed misconception that Sylvia Rivera threw the first brick at Stonewall has overshadowed her true historic contributions. Both Sylvia and Marsha P. Johnson have spoken about their roles during Stonewall, yet their words have been largely ignored or distorted. What can't be denied is that Sylvia and Marcia created the world's first trans organization, Street Transvestite Action Revolutionaries, STAR. STAR gave the trans community visibility and pride for the first time, and was a movement, not just one night. Sylvia is a historic figure for founding STAR, rather than just being part of the crowd at Stonewall. This truth cannot be denied, and if anyone is still clinging to the brick myth, The New York Times debunked it in 2019 with a video. Who created that first gay pride? Craig Rodwell and Ellen Broidy were enjoying dinner with their partners when they had a groundbreaking thought, why not create a resolution that could be read at the Eastern Regional Conference of Homophile Organizations meeting in Philadelphia? This resolution would eventually lead to the creation of the Christopher Street Gay Liberation Day Committee and the first pride celebration a year after the Stonewall riots. This momentous decision was made by the two of them and has been remembered by everyone who experienced this eventful era in history. It's definitely not true that Brenda Howard is the mother of gay pride. We know, since we were part of it, who was actually responsible for the creation of pride. Ellen Broidy should be credited with this accomplishment, rather than Brenda Howard who only participated in the first march. Acknowledging Brenda Howard as the creator of Pride is a fallacy, regardless of who might be editing Wikipedia to make that claim. The most accurate history of Stonewall is a collective one. The many views of Stonewall are captivating, and the GLF members who were present have become the symbolic spirit of this event. Collectively, their individual memories form the larger narrative, and two books particularly bring the story to life. Don Teal's The Gay Militants in 1971 and David Carter's Stonewall in 2010. While Carter's book has some imperfections, it comes closer to the truth than any other account before or after. His work is especially noteworthy as it was written at a time when our community was just beginning to grasp the historic significance of Stonewall and when various perspectives were being brought to the table. His dedication is evident, as he had to dodge between warring factions in order to bring the story to life a feat that can be seen in other books. David Carter was unwavering in his commitment to locate any missing pieces of the puzzle and to ensure that the facts were made public. Unfortunately, there are those who were not present at Stonewall who allow their own prejudices to influence their writing. We who were at Stonewall that night still strive to pass along knowledge that has been forgotten or never uncovered. It is a shame that our struggles that night are often used to bolster the agendas of others. The night may have been the spark, but it was the following year that truly transformed and constructed our community. Out of the flames of that night, the Gay Liberation Front sprouted a sense of self, a collective, and a surge of pride. It is not realistic to expect transformation to happen in an instant. In this situation, it took a full year of hard work and dedication for the seeds of equality to really take hold. It was a revolutionary 12 months of gay liberation. It's time to finish. Please, share not just a rainbow with your friends and ask them to subscribe for new episodes. All listeners are important to me, and I appreciate your interest and time. The next episode will cover a very hot topic, I swear. Good luck guys, and take care. Bye-bye.